Have you read anything good or interesting lately? This past week, I pored over the recent issue of Christian Century and was particularly struck by an article called Close Friends. It was about a couple who both work from home but decided to move from Illinois to Indiana simply to live closer to some of their dear friends. To be fair, the COVID pandemic played into their decision a bit, and they realized that even after a few short months, their quality of life had quietly and remarkably deepened in a way they still find hard to explain. But this move all started as they were pondering the American dream, the good life, if you will. And they realized that for many people, this good life is mostly concerned with accumulation, income, a home, and possessions. This dream includes raising a family for sure, which is certainly about relationships, but the dream is more about providing for one's family than enjoying one's family. The article continued, it seems we don't really honor or celebrate being with people or enjoying one another's company for its own sake, at least not the way we honor working overtime, renovating a house, pursuing a sport, or bettering ourselves in some way. And notice how the focus is on bettering the self, not bettering our relationships. Friendships, they conclude, are taken for granted or not considered much more than an accessory in what most Americans imagine as the good life. And then they ask this, But what if relationships are at the very heart of the good life? Relationships, deep, real, intimate friendships at the very heart of the good life. So literally, as I was pondering their question, I read our text for this week. This is my commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because everything I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Instead, I call you friends. What does Jesus mean? What's he getting at? Well, that's what I want us to reflect on together this morning. So let's take a look at the text. We are in the second part of the 15th chapter of John's Gospel. John is writing about the last days that Jesus will be with his disciples, the last few days before his death. And the conversations, they're tender. They are intimate. They are close. It sounds like the conversations I have witnessed with a few of you and your family members in some of those last sacred days with your loved ones before before they died. Remember the vulnerable action of Jesus washing his disciples' feet? It was just two chapters back. And that is when he gives them a new commandment, to love each other. Love each other. Sometimes these four chapters together, 13 to 17, are called Jesus's farewell speech. For it is in this section we hear about the power of God's love and how we as Christ's followers, as Christ's friends, are supposed to behave. 
interact with each other, support, and yes, love each other. So even though we heard it clearly spelled out in chapter 13, here it is again, this call, this call to love one another. Perhaps John realized that his community needed to hear Jesus's message again because they were not fully comprehending it. And maybe just like his community, our community, heck, the whole wide world needs to hear this word of love and friendship again, especially now when our communities are so divided and fragmented. Throughout John's gospel, Jesus demonstrates honest, authentic, real friendship. But our text today provides the words to describe and to name who and what Jesus is as a friend. You see, in John's gospel, Jesus is both the model and the source of friendship. As the model of friendship, he calls the disciples to love as he has loved. Remember how he patiently taught them? He listened to them. He walked beside them. He heard their prayers and their concerns. They saw how he fed hungry people, how he reached across cultural boundaries to offer healing, and how he wept when his friend Lazarus had died. Yes, Jesus modeled friendship throughout his entire life and always acted decisively in love. And now it's the disciples' turn, and it is our turn to be Jesus's friend, shown by the way we love one another, just as he loved us. I remember once a couple of pastors reflecting on experiences from their early days of ministry. And this one pastor, Dean, shared about making a hospital visit to see a member of his church who was dying of AIDS. It was in the 1980s and it was a scary time. It's easy to forget how fearful we were of folks with that disease and how cruelly they were treated so often, but not Dean. Dean sat by the bedside and they talked. And from his deathbed, he said, Dean, I'm not sure I have faith anymore. I just don't know how to find God in the midst of this monstrous disease. And Dean said, that's okay. You lean in on my faith right now. Let me believe for the both of us. Both of them were being faithful friends of Jesus in that moment, evidenced by the way they loved one another. Relationships, deep, real, intimate friendships are at the very heart of love. And we need to recognize that in loving friendships, sometimes, sometimes you're going to be the one who carries, and at other times you're going to need to be the one who is carried. Yes, Jesus is the source of friendship and makes friendship possible because he has given his all, his very self to us. By proclaiming that they are no longer servants, but friends, Jesus is taking the power dynamics out of the relationship and making the disciples his partners, his equals, his friends. He is changing a hierarchical relationship into an egalitarian one. And this work of friendship, it's holy work. Now, Jesus' followers are full partners in his relationship with God. His openness, his shared leadership is the model of how we are to treat one another and makes our acts of friendship possible. Indeed, Jesus' friendship becomes the very source of the disciples' capacity 
for friendship. So if relationships, if friendships are at the very heart of the good life, how and where do we live out this holy work? I believe it is in community. We cannot be Christ followers alone. We are made for connection and community. Presently, I'm reading a book, Discovering Our Spiritual Identity, Practices for God's Beloved by Trevor Hudson. Trevor is a friend of our congregation. He's a pastor and writer from South Africa. And in the book, he says, we cannot be Christ followers alone. This becomes clear from the moment we decide to follow Jesus along the conversion road. When we open our lives to him, he enters with arms around our brothers and sisters. Without option, we discover ourselves situated within a new family, the family of God. Yes, Christ's following is anchored in community, gospel life together, and we become interdependent. So when we say yes to Jesus, we are saying yes to Christ's whole family, even those who are different from us and those we don't really like. We are immersing ourselves into life together. That Greek word is koinonia, fellowship, like life sharing with God and one another at the deepest levels. We strive to love each other as he has loved us. And this messy and complex community is often found right at the center of a local church where real relationships, deep and intimate friendships are forged. Real people relating through the Holy One who embraces our individual lives and provides our common meeting place. But you might be thinking, yes, but the church, really? I mean, the church has done some ugly and mean-spirited things throughout history. I mean, some people willingly admit they love Jesus but don't care much for the church because the church has been hurtful to marginalized folks and far too silent in the face of the world's pain. Some think the church doesn't care about them. And to this, Trevor says that, yes, the church is full of human beings who are not always helpful or kind or just in their activities. And whenever I'm disillusioned, I remind myself that the church's main problem is that it is full of people very much like me. Instead of consoling, understanding, and loving those around us, we demand to be consoled and understood and loved. That sin is universal. But together, together we encourage one another to love as Jesus loved, to befriend others as Jesus befriended us. Because in this sacred community, sometimes we're encouraged to set aside our cherished beliefs and personal prejudices that prevent or stifle friendship so that we can join others in being the body of Christ together. This is hard work. Because let's be honest, we don't see eye to eye on everything on anything, really. We don't like every decision made in the life of any church, and we don't appreciate each other's gifts and contributions all the time. And yet, and yet we're still called to be Christian community together. I mean, just because we don't like something doesn't mean we give up on it, does it? I hope not. Rather, we offer ideas and we volunteer to make things better. The work of friendship is holy work. And it requires us to take our baptismal promises seriously. The promise to surround one another with a community of love and forgiveness. Friends, life together, real authentic Christian community is something we are invited to be a part of. We are bound together by our friendship with Jesus. And that friendship is lived out as we encourage, care for, challenge, and celebrate one another. 
Now, let me say that simply being a member of a church does not guarantee this kind of meaningful friendship all the time. Some people say they've been a member of the church for years and they still feel like strangers. And to that, I want to encourage you to be open to dipping your toe a little more deeply in the water because some sort of small group involvement, some activity of service or group study is necessary to provide space for those connections to deepen. Several years ago, a diverse group of women asked me to join their small group. I was hesitant at first because a pastor being friends with church members sometimes can be messy and complicated. But I have to admit over time, their friendships really made me feel like I belonged. This week, I surveyed members of several other small groups from church, and I asked them to reflect about this holy work of friendship with their group. The responses were beautiful. One woman, a mother of two, wrote, It has meant the difference between struggling through the pandemic and actually thriving through the pandemic. Without my small group, I would not have had the support I needed on a weekly and sometimes daily basis. They pulled me through, and I would like to think I did the same for them. Another wrote, For more than 20 years, I have belonged to a weekly small group. We have traveled the road together and have been there for support and prayers, for laughter and tears, for advice and challenge and celebration, and of course, the three G's, graduation, grandkids, and graying gracefully. In the group, one can speak freely, truthfully, and trustingly. We were there before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and we will be there after the pandemic. Am I close to my family, she continued? In many ways, yes. However, they have not traveled this spiritual road with me. In my group, I am safe and loved and accepted. Relationships. Real friendships are at the very heart of the good life. And building these friendships takes time and energy and a willingness to risk and be vulnerable. Small groups are not the only place to find this kind of safe, sacred space for self-disclosure, but they're a good place to start. If you want more information, please reach out to me or John Barolo or anyone on staff. It's as simple as an email. In our fast-paced world of pursuing the American dream, we seldom carve out space for this holy work of friendship building, and Jesus invites us to do so. But if these friendships are going to matter, the care you feel in your heart then needs to be reflected in your calendar. So this week, I ask you simply to pull out your calendar and look at it. And now ask yourself, of all the necessary things, of all the good things that you're going to be doing this week, when do you find time for friendship? I hope you'll pencil in some time right now. Will you pray with me? Thank you for calling us friends, Jesus. Help us to realize that being your friend is really a personal relationship with you, the one who has loved us more than we can ever imagine. And the test of that love is found in the ways we live out that simple, profound, and difficult command to love one another. May we be faithful. Amen.